Uh, yeah, to, that's fine. To her yeah. as well and yeah. Juliet. Sorry? Hi to everyone else as well. Oh, hi, hi, hi Mark. <laughs> hi, Rachel. Hi, uh, nice to meet everyone. Um, so if everyone's happy, I'll get, str- I'll get straight into it. So hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. Today on the show, we've got three guests um, who are taking part in the Northeast Ladybird spot. And we've got Mark Welfare, Perth Mythos and Juliet Wilson. And so do you each want to introduce yourselves and say a little bit about yourselves or? Well, I'm, I don't know if everyone else is doing the Northeast Ladybird spot or they're elsewhere, but um, certainly I'm from the Northeast. Um, okay. We've got Northumberland uh, Natural History Society running mm. a lot of citizen science projects. And this is the second year they've been doing the Ladybird spot. Oh, I, right. I've come to insects via birding, like a lot yeah. of people, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, the last three or four years, I've been taking interest in different groups. And uh, this year, ladybirds, which is fab- fabulous. I've learned so much. It's been really fascinating. Um, cemeteries are obviously very good in winter. Um, and, yeah, it's given me a real focus for doing some recording and getting out and uh, everything. And we're also trying to do a, a bit of a scientific analysis of it um, in the Northeast. So we found that there are virtually no scientific papers on ladybirds and cemeteries. So working with NHSN, uh, we, we've surveyed 102 cemeteries, I think it is. Oh, wow. Across, yeah, across uh, Durham, Teesside and Northumberland. Oh, that's amazing. Rural and urban. Oh, okay. I'll stop there. Let everyone else take their turn. Okay. What about you, Julia? Um, okay. So I have nothing to do with the Northeast um, Survey. I'm in mm. Edinburgh. Um, my involvement with Ed- uh, with ladybirds and cemeteries is that I was employed by Edinburgh Council last September to do general wildlife surveys of all the cemeteries that are managed by Edinburgh Council, which is 43 of Edinburgh's numerous cemeteries. So I've been in the cemeteries over that time period. I've been recording everything uh, that I can identify and that uh, that I can see. So um, that does include ladybirds, a lot of ladybirds in some cemeteries and fewer in others. Um, a bit more background about me is that I... Um, I started off as a birder, like Mark, and also I've got I've got a botany degree, so that's my other background. And I also, one of the things I do is take people on guided nature walks, so I have that um, aspect as well. Oh, fantastic! And uh, Per, what about you? Yeah, I'm not part of the Northeast Ladybird uh, thing either. I, I'm an academic, so I work at the mm. University of Edinburgh, and. Uh, yeah, I've done birding as well. I've had a sort of natural history interest, I think, yeah. from quite a young age. And um, it sort of took me into an academic career. And that sort of meant I focused a lot on, <clears throat> on doing research. But during lockdown, I started doing natural history as a way to, to deal with, you know, the, the constraints on, uh, on us at that time. So I started doing local uh, nature reserves and uh, and eventually took me into cemeteries and I discovered all these really amazing wintering ladybirds that we find in, in um, cemeteries. But like Juliet, I've also been interested in other things that we find in cemeteries. So other insects, um, 
harvest men and uh, and birds as well so uh, that's that's kind of my background and i have um now started to offer projects to to honor students who are now doing surveys in in edinburgh so we have about 30 um centuries in edinburgh so within the uh, the city and they're all very different and they have very different um numbers of different species of ladybirds some species dominate in one um Cemetery, but there are the species that will be dominant in in others still. So that's kind of one of the things we're interested in trying to work out why, what explains why some species are more common in one place. Yeah. Um, so that's my background. So Per, I'm I'm really interested to you know we're doing the same. I mean, it's it's interesting that no one's really looked at this before. I mean, we're looking at things like size of community. Um, you know, we're thinking about looking at tree species, but we might have to go back in the summer to identify the trees a bit better. Um, you know, uh, whether they're how urban they are, uh, you know, heat island effects, etc. Uh, seems like a lot of possibility for collaboration on this subject. It's uh, you know, it's unpublished. It's it's quite amazing. It's unpublished. I mean, I'm an academic by background. I'm a medic, but I've got you know a load of uh, medical kind of research, and, and I'm. I'm working with uh, Gordon from the NHSN, who's an invertebrate academic. I mean, I'm not a, you know. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that it's catching the scientific eye as well as the casual recorder's eye. It, it's, um, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of scope for collaboration. I think what, what you've done that we haven't really done is to look the rural cemeteries as well. I, I just know this through kind of uh, visiting some rural cemeteries just outside of Edinburgh. And, and mm. there seem to be much fewer ladybirds in the rural ones, just from the casual observations sure. that, that I don't so it's, it's I would, I, I, Sorry, Per, I would agree with that. The the sort of like the, the cemeteries that are managed by Edinburgh Council that are outside Edinburgh City certainly have fewer um, fewer ladybirds, but a lot of them also have fewer trees, which is probably la um, largely the explanation. Um, that's what I'm sort of assuming at the moment anyway. So, Mark, you know, you, you talked about the northeast ladybird spot. Can I just clarify, is that just only cemeteries or do you look no, at other no. habitats as well? It's a total citizen science project over the whole year. This is the second year it's been running. Yeah, um, they they run a, a bee hunt, and uh, mm. we're thinking about doing a hover thing as well. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of really getting a lot of people involved in recording insects, which obviously you know there isn't that many people mm. involved, frankly. And uh, building up skills, they run a lot of support on their website for identification, mm. things to look for. Um, you know, we share a lot of sightings. I mean, one of the key things to us is, has a cemetery or any other site, frankly, got Scots pine? Yeah. And, you know, a single Scots pine tree is unbelievable in a cemetery. I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got two cemeteries that have got a single Scots pine in them. And there's like 12 species under that one tree. Um, so, we, you know, I, I'm guilty of even doing a bit of, ladybird twitching which is shameful but, um, <laughs> you know, it has to be done <laughs> it has to be done yeah yeah it's, yeah it's funny it's funny because like usually when i find ladybirds i haven't actually found them on a scots pine i found them in like in like spruce so i found like a lot of 
my first um like eye ladybirds i found either a larch or like a douglas fir or a spruce or a spruce tree i mean i'm not i'm really sorry i'm not very good with trees but um it wasn't when i looked at a picture of a scots pine it wasn't that but i suppose there might have been scots pines in the vicinity so i mean would one of you be able to tell me when you're doing your ladybird surveys how like talk me through it like do you try and find every ladybird in a given area or like um like how is it done I'm doing general wildlife surveys. Hmm. So I'm trying to find everything that's in there in every cemetery that I visit. And how I do it for ladybirds is I look at the likely um, gravestones, which I cl classify as those that are under trees. Um, and the more interesting and ornate they are, the more likely they seem to be to have ladybirds on. And I take photos and um, I don't I don't do any beating or anything like that. I take photos. I try to find as many as I can. Um, but there are almost certainly some that I miss. And I don't really look um, in the trees themselves, although I do to some extent. Um, but because I'm trying to get an overview of everything that's in the cemeteries wildlife-wise, um, and I have a limited amount of time, then I, I don't try to find every ladybird in every cemetery. Um, but I do also try to um, assess if there are cemeteries that have different sort of collections of ladybirds. So as, as I think Per said earlier, some, some cemeteries have different, different ladybirds than others. And it's, it's interesting to know why. So I do look for mm. that as well. Why are there different ladybirds in different cemeteries? Is that solely to do with the trees or is it also like the, the, the amount of light a given place gets or... I haven't been able to work it out, but I, I mean, the one that I'm really interested in is Rosebank Cemetery in Edinburgh has a huge proportion of its ladybirds are harlequins, much, much more than any other cemetery that I know. And I, that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's just really intriguing. I mean, why? Um, so I do note I do note down that kind of variation in in what kind of species are in each cemetery, but I've not I've not actually done that in any sort of really scientific way. Although I know that there are people who are doing it more scientifically in Edinburgh, so that which is good to know. Um, Pear and his students as well. Yeah, I think in I think in the northeast. I mean, we don't know yet because we haven't analysed the data. But on a general, you know, inspection, um, you've got. I mean, mainly it's harlequin or uh, orange is the large dominant species. And in some, you've got a 10 to 1 ratio one way, and in some, a 10 to 1 ratio the other way. And even, and so I, I kind of thought that it was mainly related to urbanness. Um, you know, and in the centre of Newcastle, there are, you know, a lot of harlequins and elsewhere there's not. But actually, there's, we found one or two um, urban cemeteries that are, dominated by harlequin and one or two rural that are dominated by you know harlequin so uh it, it's it's it does seem variable and i think we really need to look at the trees um and we're going to try and do some heat mapping i mean i think you know um gordon has got some contacts with the geography department uh in you need some academics on this you know who yeah. know what the hell they're yeah, talking absolutely, about yeah know. So uh, there are so many variables to look at. And I, I really think we need to go back to the tree species. So 
obviously orange is mainly mm-hmm. uh, associated with sycamore and maybe ash, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of um, cemeteries have got sycamore. Yeah. But then a lot of them are planted out with sorbus, which is pretty hopeless for anything. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we need to look at that, but we definitely need to go back and look at it in the summer. And then I think the other important thing is to track it over time. Um, yeah. You know, are the cemeteries that at the moment have yeah. got lots and lots of orange and wide diversity, you know, in two or three years' time, are they going to be killed off by the Harlequins? We don't know. It's funny, like, where I used to live, I mean, as I said, around here, I haven't actually found any, but where I used to live, most of the ladybirds that I found on the cemetery were actually seven spot and the odd pine ladybird and like one or two harlequins but the majority of them in the cemetery were seven spots and one time i don't know why this was because there wasn't any bryony around like in that particular area of the cemetery but one time there was either there was a bryony ladybird for like no apparent reason at all like i don't know <laughs> where are you rachel um i was in buckinghamshire but i've now moved right. to um to oxford um right. I also want to ask, like, um, do you ever, like, does any of you ever use a beating tray for work in cemeteries or, or not? So, uh, so like Judith, I, I basically just walk around and inspect uh, the places yeah. I think look interesting and, yeah. and tends to be places under trees. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like uh, Mark, if there's a Scots pine, I will always go and check it out because... Scots pine is where you tend to find different things underneath. Lots of species that are specialists of uh, conifers yeah. and, and particularly Scots pine. So if you have a good spot, Scots pine in a cemetery, you can find quite a lot of uh, interesting species there. Mm. Uh, I agree that probably they, what's probably going to explain differences between cemeteries likely to be the trees. So the composition of trees and how many trees, many <coughs> ladybirds, <coughs> Sorry, are specialists, so they will mm. associate with particular tree species. So that's kind of what we would expect. But there probably are other things too. Mm. So in Edinburgh, it seems that harlequins are particularly common in the northern parts of Edinburgh, so on lower ground. And maybe that's due with the wintering temperature. I, I don't know. But, but there probably are the reasons that are explaining why some ladybirds are more common in, in some cemeteries too. But trees are probably important. So for the um the, this study that we're doing in the northeast, yeah, um we are trying to standardise our counts in some way. Uh, yeah, so we're using time as our kind of standardizer. So mm. how long did you spend searching, and mm. uh, whether you coloured the whole cemetery or not? So I personally, I you know, I mean, there are some large cemeteries that it's totally impossible to cover in one go. You know, unless you're there for like eight hours, but. Um, you know, for most of the cemeteries, I try and cover the whole cemetery, every gravestone. Um, mm. You know, I never find anything on trees in cemeteries. There's, there's someone in Kent who finds thousands of, you know, orange lady. You know what? I've never actually found anything on a tree no. in a cemetery either. No. I found them I'm... on fence posts. Um, right. I mean, orange orange ladybirds. It's weird. I usually find I usually find them on on trees, not in a cemetery. Or, yeah. or or on sign or like wooden stuff. Like I don't usually find them on on graves or, or anything. But as I said, the main one it seems was always seven spot. Right. Yeah. No, certainly certainly here. I mean, you know, I've I've found like twelve hundred orange ladybirds in one cemetery. 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on gravestones in, in the northeast, you know, and about six or seven hundred harlequins in the same place. Oh, you wow. Know. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the next place you go, you might have, you know, 500 harlequins and 20 oranges, you know, and they're so... And the, the diversity, I think, is interesting as well. Mm. So we're going to look at all of these things. And, you know, we got the data on time looked for um, and, you know, number of species, number of each ladybird. So we've got a powerful data set, but we, we haven't really looked at the trees. So someone's going to have to go around in the summer and look at all the trees. <laughs> but as you say, not many people are evergreen specialists. Yeah. Uh, I think most people can say it's Scots pine or it's not Scots pine. Mm. But beyond that... I mean, I I don't have much of a scientific background at all and I don't know anything. I mean, like, the, it's, with the conifers, they're, the leaves are often very difficult to differentiate. Um, like, I know that larch is a deciduous one, so it, it loses its leaves and it's a conifer. So I suppose that's, that's relatively easy. But, like, with... Um, and also, I think there are there are diff- there are a number of like different shapes, different different types of pine that might look similar to Scots pine. Like I think, because I never found anything in Scots pine, and then I then like someone said it might not actually be a Scots pine; it might just be something that looks that looks like it. Um, I just wondered um, why why do ladybirds congregate in cemeteries? Like I've ho- I've heard all sorts of different theories. Why do they why do they choose gravestones as opposed to as opposed to other things i'm waiting for someone else to tell us because i don't know <laughs> julia i have i have no idea i mean one one thing that sort of struck me was that because a lot of cemeteries tend to be quite quiet and there's not mm. many people around that mm. might help but then one of the best cemeteries in Edinburgh for ladybirds is Greyfriars and I've never been in Greyfriars without it being absolutely crowded with people it also doesn't have a huge number of trees um, I mean Greyfriars is 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 basically the one where um, um, everybody goes because of Harry Potter so it's like there's there's like five or six guided tours going around Greyfriars anytime you're in there and it's full of ladybirds it's really good so that that sort of like pushes that theory out of the water um, I don't know maybe it's something to do with the combination of trees and um, gravestones because the only other place where I have seen lots of um, hibernating ladybirds outside of cemeteries are fence posts um, along the water of Leith in Edinburgh, where it's always orange ladybirds, loads and loads and loads of orange ladybirds on metal fence posts and wooden fence posts, um, which aren't actually like gravestones at all. But there's that sort of similar idea of like nice resting places underneath trees. But we, why gravestones? I don't know. Apart from the ornate bits, as I say, as I said earlier, the kind of ornate bits on some gravestones seem to be like nice hiding places, and there might be something specific to that. I don't know. But then I've tried looking on the walls around the edges of the cemeteries, thinking, well, this is the same microhabitat, surely. You know, there's not a single ladybird on the wall. No. On the church, you know, itself or whatever buildings are there, not a single ladybird. No. And... Uh, it's particularly sandstone. I don't know if what you find in Edinburgh. I don't know what you've got in Edinburgh, but you know, certainly for us, um, there's a lot of sandstone in Northumberland. So it's it's a particular age of um, gravestone. 
So my thing is that it's probably between about 1850 and 1920. And some time after that, they stopped making them so large mm-hmm. or so ornate. And then mm. and they've moved to granite and marble now. So any modern cemetery with granite and marble and all the Commonwealth grave stones, which are nearly identical, um, they're, they're kind of short and white and about 80 centimetres tall, nothing on them. So it's sandstone gravestones nearly entirely. Yes, that's a good point. And, and sorry, cer- certainly, certainly older gravestones. I would totally agree with that. With the sandstone, I've not quite got my eye in for that. Whether whether that's entirely the case, but certainly older, older um, gravestones. Sorry, pair. Uh, so I, I, I don't really understand completely why they aggregate on on the gravestones either. I mean, one option could be that they just mm. drop down from the trees and then you just end up on the gravestones kind of accident crawling up but i'm not too sure that's the the only explanation there might be something else about the gravestones that make them a good habitat for hibernating so they they maybe have shelter so that's juliet say they often will hide in crevices and underneath overhangs and that might be ways where it's mm. it's maybe dry or from from the elements and it might also be that gravestones have particular sort of thermal properties the kind of standing up, they may be dry, they mm. may be heat up in the sun. So there, there maybe are something about gravestones as a microhabitat that makes them suitable yeah. for the bird. And they are seeing gravestones in the winter too, like... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to it, but we're looking mm. at things like if they have preferences for particular type of gravestones, like, you know, the crevices or... It could be the age of the grey stone, so maybe even this, the type of stone, mm. as Mark says. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so Edinburgh, I mean, obviously you're a granite kind of place or more hard rock, aren't you? Igneous rocks. So have you got sandstone? Yes. yes. Sandstone. Yeah. And is that the preference rather than granite? or? I, I can't say that I've noticed that there is a preference for sandstone, to be honest. Okay. I mean, it might be for us that that's the age when there was large gravestones. And obviously sandstone, you can um, carve much easier. Mm. I mean, it's difficult to carve much in granite, isn't it? Or, you know, some of these marble or something. So I think that the sandstone, you know, the the people could work with the stone and create these very complex patterns, which isn't so easy. Um, but also, I, d- I wonder if it's also the easterly facing um, aspect of it. Yeah, you know, most gravestones. This was completely unknown to me. Um, yeah, faced east, and uh, you know, so they're they're facing away from the prevailing wind, um, into the sun in the morning, and most of the ladybirds are on the the more engraved you know side with the name and and everything on it, which is where which is facing east. But we've also we've also actually got quite a big Jewish. Um, element to our gravestones in some of our um, oh wow okay yeah which was like news to me you know i mean there are big you know localized populations of mm. uh, kind of jewish uh, people in in the northeast in gateshead whatever but uh, two or three of the places i've been to have got quite a big jewish cemetery as well okay um, yeah completely random but they all face east as well the stones face east and you know they're not dissimilar to the stones from like Roman Catholic or, or Church of England or whatever. So, 
no. It'd be interesting to look at denomination. Yeah, you know, the, it would be. Does yeah, the denomination of the church make a difference. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Yeah. So, the, um, there are, sorry, sorry there, are, there are five Jewish cemeteries in Edinburgh. What I mean, one actual Jewish cemetery, and then sections of four other cemeteries that are Jewish, and that would be an interesting mm. um, thing to look at. So there's also um, Muslim sections of some cemeteries yeah. as well, which would be interesting. So yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's an yeah, because sometimes one. the gravestones are different styles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So why? So um, I just wondered, like, why is it important to look at cemeteries as opposed to another habitat? Um, like, um, I think it was mentioned at the start. There's not really much data on ladybirds in cemeteries, and I just wondered why. Like, why? Why has it not been looked at before? I think it's because they're easily accessible. Yeah. You know, they're not in the leaf litter. They're not yeah. hiding under bark or in deep crevices in walls. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know what other people... I, I'm totally new to this, by the way. I mean, you know, I never looked at ladybirds until, you know, December or something. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you go looking for ladybird numbers in the winter, for, in wintering and other places, it's very difficult to find many. Mm. You might find a few here and there. So if you want to look at trends um, in population and overall numbers, you know, uh, relative numbers, all these kind of things, I think graveyards give us a little window on... Mm population dynamics which we would otherwise find extremely mm. difficult to get absolutely and many of these scots pine things you know uh you know you i mean in northumberland you know well here's an interesting thing there is a gap in recording mm. between the tyne and edinburgh yeah every insect every single insect every single yeah. insect so if you look at nearly everything on mbn um website you know, you see a lot of stuff along the Tyne Valley and then you see a lot of stuff around Edinburgh and in between there's nothing. I mean, I live in Morpeth, which is 20 miles north of um, Newcastle. And, you know, I'm getting hectared new records all the time for mm. common species, you know, I mean, totally common. I mean, the, the hectare I live in had 16 recorded hoverflies. Um, you know, I've got... 40 in my garden i mean it's totally ridiculous you know uh, that's so ridiculous that, yeah yeah so like the tyne edinburgh gap in recording is very interesting mm, mm. but also obviously we we're hugely unrecorded in all insects so i personally i think that the cemeteries give us a a, a window mm. on numbers trends you know etc i don't know what per and Juliet, what do you think I think that's 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 a very good point. I also think that there's something about cemeteries being sort of scattered. Some are very city centre. I mean, in Edinburgh, certainly some are very city centre. Some are sort of suburban, and some are rural. And that, because a cemetery is a good place to find ladybirds, you could possibly use the different sort of those three um, types of cemeteries as a way of looking at population dynamics that you wouldn't be able to otherwise because as you say the um ladybirds are accessible in cemeteries they're yeah. easier to look yeah. at than anywhere else apart from as i've said the, the certain fences <laughs> that i've seen along oh, yeah. the water of leaf um, but nowhere else so yes cemeteries are just an easy place to find ladybirds and then the whole thing of of 
being able to see, hopefully, if you were going to look at them in cemeteries over a certain period of time, you would be able to find changes in population, changes in proportion of different species of, of cemeteries, uh, sorry, species of cemeteries, sorry, <laughs> species of ladybirds. And then, you know, also important, the the spread or otherwise of the harlequin, I think, would be very easy to assess in cemeteries. Okay. So, um, what's what's what do you think is the most uh, surprising thing that you fa- that all of you have found um, since you've been doing this? Like, have you have you come across anything weird that's that surprised you? Or, well, as I said earlier, the fact mm. that you Greyfriars Greyfriars Cemetery is yeah. full of ladybirds was a total total surprise to me I think that I don't think anything has surprised me more than that the fact that a city centre very very busy cemetery which doesn't which it does have trees but it doesn't have like huge numbers of magnificent trees I don't know if it has a Scots pine just give me a second um because I've got my book here in front of me um uh, other people can feel free to speak until I've found what I'm looking for I, I think it's interesting how many species, how many, what huge numbers there are. Mm. Um, you know, in, and it, how passionate it is across the country. I mean, yeah. the, the, the person in Kent who's got 7,000 or whatever it is, orange ladybirds, but then other people in East Anglia that I know have been like joining in on either the ladybirds or the cemeteries Facebook group. And they're saying, like, well, how come I haven't got any ladybirds in Norwich? Yeah, you you know, if there are loads in East Anglia, in in you know Kent, why aren't there loads in Norwich? Yeah, it's Um, it's funny because like, um, so where I was before, we had a lot of sixteen spots. In fact, I'd probably say they were not not in cemeteries, but overall, they were like the most common ladybird. And then when when you go to um, somewhere like Scotland or like somewhere like Ireland, I don't actually think there. I think there's like been one 16, 16 spot ever found in Ireland ever, and it's and it's it's very it's very interesting because sometimes sometimes as well, like the last couple of years, we haven't um, I haven't seen many harlequins, and suddenly I'm seeing more harlequins again, and it's very it's very interesting, really, isn't it? Like. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're documenting loads of ladybird records for things that are supposed to be like super rare in Northumberland. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the cemeteries and the Scots Pine in cemeteries is giving us some access to, you know, what normally are treetop species. Mm. You know, a lot of these species seem to live mainly on mature trees. Mm. And, you know, we don't go up into the top of the Scots Pine and look at every, um, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I found a few, um, quite a few ladybirds on pine shoots away from uh, cemeteries. But you know, I, I spent ages searching. I found one striped ladybird. You know, mm. you can go go down to you know one Scots pine in a graveyard, and there's ten. You know, wandering around underneath it or, oh, or whatever. You know, yeah. And eighteen spots. Um, you know. We've got quite a conglomerate under our two Scots pines in urban cemeteries. We've got 18 spots, striped, cream streaked, um, you know, which ones, you know, you never record elsewhere in Northumberland. So they must be there. Yeah. It's just that, you you know, if they drop out of the tree normally, 
they're yeah. in the leaf litter and then you know once they're in the leaf litter you've got no chance and so unless yeah. you can get to the top of the tree and find them or find one wandering up the main trunk you know that's fallen down or whatever yeah you just don't get access to that kind of yeah what's there yeah exactly no that's really interesting um so so I just wondered, um, Per, is there like a way of telling if ladybirds are declining or increasing? Um, like, you know, when you do the when you're doing these surveys, like, can you tell which ones are, are going up or or um like when you know when you're when you're surveying it over a long period? Because obviously there's like sort of concerns with the Harlequin. Have you have you noticed anything like that? I mean, is it is this something that you could you could do potentially over a long period and sort of monitor the effects of climate change or different invasive species or? No, ex- exactly that. We've only done it for the first time this year. So we don't really have data yet to be able to answer those questions, but yeah, that would be precisely the type of things that we'd be interested in doing. Okay. Uh, so the idea would be to repeat this over time and, uh, and look at changes in population numbers over yeah. time. And uh, and as you say, that could be linked to climate change. It could be linked to to harlequin ladybirds. So as as I understand it, harlequin ladybirds have not been particularly common in Edinburgh before, mm. but mm. this year they are very common, especially in in some of the cemeteries further north. And this might be to do with the mild summer that we had last summer. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting to see what's going to happen now with the other ladybird species the coming summer, whether they're going to decline as a consequence of the increase in in harlequins or or if they're going to to do reasonably well so this would be the type of things that we'd be interested in in looking at okay so i'm sort of envisaging that we'll be doing this for you know for many many years to come and, and yeah so that we generate this sort of time series of data and i think that's when this data will become interesting and, and useful what what i think is interesting is that you know that there does seem to be a lot of mixing of the species and you know just because there's a lot of harlequins in a churchyard or whatever doesn't mean there's no other ladybirds mm, mm. so uh, i i don't know exactly how good the quality of the data is on the effect of harlequins on other populations but you know you see them all roosting in big congregations together with four or five species mm. um you know you see a lot of ladybirds in cemeteries with loads of harlequins sometimes. Um, yeah, lots of diversity. Uh, yeah, it's difficult to know whether they are affecting the, the other ladybirds or not. When I was in Rosebank Cemetery, the one I mentioned earlier, which was has loads and loads of harlequins, it did, and I mean, I've never been to that cemetery before I did that survey, but it just it did feel to me as though the harlequins had taken over but that was just that was i think just a sort of an impression there were so many harlequins and there weren't very many of any other species although other species were present mm. um and i would obviously have to go back and and sort of record how it changes over time but in other cemeteries i agree with mark entirely there's sort of like you see a fair number of um harlequins but you also see, see also see a lot of other um species of ladybirds and they are all together so on on the whole, it does seem as though there's a kind of coexistence there. And it'd be mm. interesting to see over time what happens. Yeah, very interesting. I have seen one Sorry. paper yeah, asking why they congregate and what the effect of harlequins is. There's, there's one paper that suggests that, I don't know, some kind of pheromone or some chemical that 
you know, the ladybirds secrete makes them congregate in a certain place. And so it might be that the harlequins are drawing out, you know, when you've got a lot of harlequins in one place or a, a nucleus of harlequins, it draws the other ladybirds out of their other habitats, like under bark or in the leaflet or whatever, to the gravestones mm, mm. to, um, you know, because of this kind of uh, chemical scent, sense. Yeah. I don't know what Pers or Juliet think about that. Is that. There is a paper on it from America, I think. So um, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, one thing you mentioned, so you asked a question about interesting things I've seen. And one thing I've noticed is doesn't happen very often. Um, I wondered about if you've noticed this, that sometimes you will find other species or so other beetles or bugs that will be roosting alongside the ladybirds. And I'm wondering if they do that as a, as a way of protecting themselves, if you like. The ladybirds have these epizomatic uh, warning chemicals and colours and maybe hiding among the ladybirds is a good way to protect yourself against predation. Have you noticed this? We were so, talking about other insects at that point, weren't we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I was the other thing I wanted to to ask was, um, like, I don't know if anything comparable has been, obviously not in cemeteries, but in other habitats. Like, has anything have there has there been kind of like any kind of like decline of ladybirds like due to climate change um, from twenty thirty years or or um, or not? I mean, I suppose there. I mean, I suppose there has, but I suppose you'd have to look look at like comparable habitats, like trees or or whatever. Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know either. I think there's some native bird species that have um, experienced range expansion as a consequence yeah. of climate change. So I think that's probably what yeah. people are focus on. But, mm. but I think what would probably be useful with this type of data is to look at population trends over time. But I'm mm. not sure these data are available. Mm. And, and serving cemeteries is a good way of doing that because mm. gravestones provide this sort of very constant feature that you can survey in a very consistent way from year to year. So I think that's why cemeteries would be useful for this purpose. Okay. And yeah, because that's it might, it might be a bit like dragonflies. Mm. You know, most insects have declined, mm. but a lot of dragonflies seem to be expanding their population quite extensively. Mm. And yeah. And some, I mean, bees obviously are very publicly, you know, declining, but actually yeah. a lot of bees are expanding, you know, mm, mm. Uh, and uh, their range. And then, of course, you've got to look at observer effort. Um, yeah. You know, as we've said, like the Northeast, you know, is like zero um, mm. observer effort for many years or very low observer effort. So uh, the pandemic has created a lot of, uh, interested local observers. So a lot of things might be, appear to be increasing just because there are more records, you know, and people are going out looking and, you know. No, that, that's, um, that's really interesting, yeah, because a lot of species have expanded their range. And also it's interesting you were saying about the orange ladybird because originally it was thought to be very rare and only confined to ash and sycamore. But in fact, like I've seen orange ladybirds like on bushes that were like covered with mildew that you would expect like a 16 like not uh, a 22 spot to be um to be on but actually it had loads of orange ladybirds on and also 
even like I've seen them even like on singing nettles. So, I mean, I don't know whether it's the climate that's changing their behavior or whether they just realize that they can eat other things as well. Or maybe they always did. Maybe they always did eat those other um, food sources. I don't know. There's one of the butterflies. I think it's comma mm. that has changed its food plant in the UK. Yeah. Um, in the same, like what you're saying. So, you know, 20 years ago, comma was restricted to one food plant. I forget mm. which one mm. it was now. Yeah. But now it's become much more liberal in mm. its uh, caterpillar food plant. And it's become much more common. It's expanded enormously. I mean, in the Northeast now, you know, you see comma commonly. Mm. Uh, and... Yeah, so things can change their behaviour and their food source, yeah. Yeah. I think because, um, yeah, because the, oran- the orange ladybird, like I remember um, it used to be thought of as an incredibly rare species, but now either maybe maybe because its habitat has, um, maybe or maybe also maybe because no one was looking for yeah, that ladybird right, right. in the other habitats. Maybe they just um, thought, oh, well, water, it's just on, yeah. Water ladybird is a good example in the Northeast. Mm, mm. So, you know, um, that was unrecorded in Northumberland until recently. Mm. Um, you know, one or two of my friends have recorded the like the second, third and fourth record of water ladybird. Now, if you find some bulrushes <laughs> around Newcastle, go and chop them down in the winter, you know, there's you can find 20 in, under, in each bulrush kind of thing, you know. Uh, I haven't found it in Morpeth yet, which is, you know, as I say, 20 miles north. But, um, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it, it, it is definitely expanding. And like you said, the briny la- ladybird earlier on. Yeah. Is only yeah. a recent thing. So, Oh, you get briny ladybirds up there or, or not? Well, white briny is nearly, you know, it's an incredibly rare plant. But mm. uh, I, I know where there are some. And uh, there's a bee as well that only uses white briony. So I am going to go and have a look this summer, but it's an incredibly rare plant. Yeah, in the yeah. I mean, my mum lives near the South Downs and you go for a walk there and it's briony everywhere, but uh, here it's super rare, yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to ask is, um, like for any of you, um, do you, there's also, you often also find other insects congregating on um on gravestones and i've actually seen them with the ladybirds like sometimes i've found like some seven spots for instance and there's been maybe even like a snail or a a shield bug or a or a larva of some sort um and i mean in that case like um are they are they looking are they attracted to the ladybird pheromones or are they just happen to end up where it's dry and quiet or, or whatever yeah that's a that's a good question um, i've also often seen other um, mm. insects uh, kind of staying with the ladybirds and that includes some other beetles so um but also the bugs that you mentioned and um and bark flies quite a lot of um, insects will actually hang around in the same We've place seen quite a lot of birch catkin bugs yeah. Um that's quite that's quite common. But I think yeah. they're quite common anyway on on, on evergreens. <laughs> but I don't know if they if that's because they just have a preference for the same place or whether they actually yeah. actively seek them out. I think that's very difficult to know. But um it'd be mm. interesting. It might be that ladybirds do offer some protection because they have these mm. warning colours and these sort of um chemicals that they use to protect themselves. So maybe it is a good place to to hang out. Um mm. and some of the bugs might even 
even take a meal from the ladybirds as well. I sometimes yeah. see these ladybirds that have sort of melanized scars and, and mm. they might be from from some of these bugs that are taking a taking a meal from the taking lady. a bite out of them. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's interesting because I don't tend to see that per you know, I, I mean I, I find a few shield bugs or um other beetles, but they tend to be more on the vertical face uh mm. and not mm. You know, snuggled up with the ladybirds, and uh, yeah, I've I've virtually not seen any other insects or other bugs okay. that are associated with the ladybirds. So, so maybe that's a difference between uh, Edinburgh. And yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about what about you, Julia? Have you seen anything? I've seen um, other insects and invertebrates on the same gravestones. Um, probably not to the same extent mm, as Per mm. because he he knows all his bark flies and stuff, which um, quite frankly I I don't. I mean I might see them, but I can't. Um, I'm sort mm. of always in awe of Per's sort of like ability to recognise all these incredibly obscure tiny insects. Um, but I do. I mean things like shield mm. bugs, um, harvest men, um, occasional snails, the occasional small moth, um, beetles, flower bugs. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't be able to say whether those are attracted to the ladybirds um, or or just coincidentally there. Um, but it's definitely there's definitely. Oh, and the, another one is um, yeah. leaf hoppers. Sometimes I, I was just going to say, especially under elm trees, um, elm leaf hoppers, which is the only species of leaf hopper I can actually by sight identify, even even with any kind of degree of confidence. But I have noticed that. Um, gravestones under elm trees will often have um, a few um, elm leafhoppers. That's very interesting because I haven't actually, I have actually never seen a leafhopper on a gravestone or any other environment. Like only found it when I've been, only found them like on plants or when I've been out with a beating tray. Like I don't really usually ever find them in another situation. So that's really interesting. Um, I've, I've seen hoverfly larvae once or oh, twice yes, that, in these. Uh, yeah, yeah, hoverfly larvae. Yes, that's yeah. the other one. Yeah. I see I see Aristotle's tenax uh, sometimes, you know, like perched on the gravestones in various places, but not, uh, I don't think they're really associated. It's just, you know, they're there, you know. Rachel, you asked a very interesting question about people's perception of yeah. you walking around. Yeah, that was, that was just that yeah. was just about the question I was about to ask. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Because obviously, like, in a cemetery, it's, you know, people can get a bit upset or, like, you know, has anyone ever, I mean, but as, it, as, it's a, as, it's a, as it's a cemetery, like, so people, is this ever something you have to get permission for or... So the only time I've had any interaction with anyone about it, mm. I mean, I, t I tend to be careful if there's a funeral going yes, on. Of you course, know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. a wide berth. But, uh, you know, one time I was doing, uh, we've obviously lost a lot of trees mm. from Storm Arwen mm. in, in churchyards. So there's been a lot of work in the churchyards. And a couple of times the workers have asked me, oh, are you looking for someone's, you know, gravestone? So they their perception is you're looking for your grandparents' gravestone or doing some genealogy or something like that. And and then I've explained to them, oh no, I'm looking for ladybirds, and they've gone off and like, oh, there's loads over here, or there's loads, you know. <laughs> so I've, I've never encountered any hostility. No, no, no. Um, but I I do think you've got to be sensitive to, you know, particularly if you're like walking across, walking across graves. You know, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which mm. obviously you have to to get close to the the stones. You know, I. I tend to be a little bit circumspect if there's a lot of people around about exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. 
What about you, Per? So I think just to visit a cemetery to have a look at some ladybirds is not something you need to get permission for. But when I have, when I have students doing projects mm. like that, then I do contact the council and have asked for permission. And they also would like to, to know, obviously, that we, this is what we're doing, because if they have services going on, then and we tell them that we're planning to go to a, a, a particular cemetery on a particular day, they can tell us that mm. don't go on this particular day because we have a service going on. So, so I think it's good if you go there with a group of people, I think it's probably a good idea to contact yeah. the, the council yeah. or whoever managing the cemetery just to make them aware. But the, the council is also very interested in, in getting the data that we are collecting. So it's, it's a nice way to mm. actually to have a dialogue with the council and, and for maybe the data that we're collecting to be used for something. Mm. So, um, so I, I think that's it. been a good thing to have that dialogue going mm. with the council. Can I ask you, Per, have, have the council actually, because I, I'm doing the surveys for the council and I find that actually sometimes communication with people in Edinburgh Cemeteries Department can be quite tricky. So have they actually asked you for data? Do they, Have they told you what they might want that for? They haven't actually... They haven't sort of um, told me what they're going to use the data for, but they have certainly said that they would be interested in 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 the data that we are collecting. Um, and um, yeah, some some people reply um, very promptly, and others probably probably don't. So there mm. is a bit of that. But certainly, the person I've been communicating with mostly have been very interested and yeah. um, and. And kind of communicated back with us. Yeah, that's that's good because what they what the council are actually using um, that kind of data for is that they're putting together new management plans, and the new management plans will be sort of um, finalised in draft form by the end of the financial year, and then hopefully going on into the future, they'll be looking at sort of continuing bio. Um, biological recording, wildlife recording, possibly some citizen science. So that's what they'll be wanting the information for. And yes, I think, I mean, in Edinburgh, obviously because I'm employed by the council to do this, I don't need permission, yeah. but I do always tell them which which um, cemetery I'm going to. And there are some cemeteries in Edinburgh that are locked. Oh, really? Yes, there are, there are a few cemeteries in Edinburgh that are locked and you would need... Um, and some cemeteries that are sometimes locked and sometimes not locked, and you ask some people, are they going to be locked? And they say, no, you can get in. And some people say, no, they're actually going to be locked. So there can be a bit of lack of clarity around which are going to be locked. So the smaller cemeteries in Edinburgh may be locked. And so in those cases, if you were wanting to do surveys, mm. you would need to check with the council that it was going to be open and um, when they would be able to give you access if... Um, if it what if it's not actually generally open, if you see what yeah. I mean, if, if the cemeteries that are sometimes locked, you would need to communicate with the council to get access. Yeah. Um, but in terms of people's perception of what I'm doing, I've had really interesting conversations with people about, um, isn't this a nice gravestone? Um, oh, ladybirds, is that a thing? Um, and I've had some really interesting <laughs> conversations with people about wildlife mm. in cemeteries. Some people have told me what they've been seeing. I've had a couple of people who are working in the cemeteries with the council mm. um, coming up to me and asking me lots of interesting questions about what I'm doing. And there has been a lot of interest, particularly with some certain people who are working um, with the council department um, 
showing a lot of interest in what I'm doing and sometimes with just members of the public. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's I, although as Mark says, you do have to be yeah, sort of, of course, sensitive yeah. if there's a funeral going on or if there's somebody who is obviously um, at a grave that has family meaning to them. What about you, Per? What, how have you found people's perceptions? Yeah, I, I agree. You have to be very sensitive around sort of frequently visited graves. And if there are people who are visiting a grave, I would stay quite yeah, of course. far away yeah. from, from them. So you have to do that. But in general, I had just positive experiences with the public. Um, so there are people who come up and ask what I'm doing and um, and often show interest in it and kind of surprise that there, there are ladybirds there. I think it's because often people mm. walk through like the cemetery where I live that I live closest to is sort of a, a shortcut for many people so many people just use it as a shortcut to get yeah. to where they want to go and I've really thought about it as a as a space where there is wildlife once you I found that once you sometimes once you point out a ladybird like if it's on a cemetery on a on a tree or something like that they'll be like oh oh wow oh yeah there is oh look there's another one <laughs> there's another one no absolutely there's a bit of surprise there um but also, I think another group of people that I've had quite nice interactions with are friends of various cemeteries. So they're the people who are there to to kind of um, yeah do various things like the the sort of management of the of the particular cemetery, and they often also show a, a lot of interest in mm. in the wildlife. Kind of take a bit of pride, perhaps, in that you find absolutely in, in the cemetery. I think it's a great introduction to citizen science mm. recording for you know people and or any type of entomology mm. you know uh you know and they're there in the winter when there's bugger all else to kind of go <laughs> yeah. and see you know so that's that's really nice <laughs> yeah i know and um, also they also they yeah. also they they want the ladybird like apart from you know a ladybird if you go it tends to stay in one place like just for months you can yeah. just go back and see it again <laughs> yeah yeah I think it offers great possibility for long-term monitoring. You know, it'd be fascinating to see what the trends are over five Absolutely, years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, these things can be detected in fairly short periods. I think. Yeah, you know, we don't have to do a study for thirty years to find out any changes in ladybirds. I <laughs> no. think five years would give us good data. I mean, I'm sure there's some variation year to year. That would be interesting to know already. But uh, you know, and then you find, you know, from a kind of a historical perspective. I mean, I'm from a mining area. You know. Um, some of the shocking stories of, you know, the loss of entire families, mm. you know, or like yeah, father and son yeah. in accidents. And, mm. you know, you've got to read the gravestones while you're there to kind of get a sense of that kind of community as well. That's, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 And, the, you know, the proportion of infant deaths in the 1800s, you know, compared to now. Yeah, it's horrific. Mm. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah families who've lost five or six kids yeah it's always very sad when you see like a a child's a child's grave or like um especially and you go through like the the different times because some some it's interesting some some old graves are very very overgrown which probably means that there would be a lot of lady bears on them but then like some (laughs) but then but then like some some graves even if they're like from 200 years ago they're very very well maintained yeah, I never find any ladybirds on um, overgrown ladies. Oh, okay. Um, gravestones. Like if they've got ivy on yeah, them. I, I, yeah, ivy. Yeah. I bother looking now because you know. I mean, maybe there are some there, but they're hiding away far too well. 
to to find. Yeah. And there's some interesting plants. Mm. Um, you know, um aliens mainly, but you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Piri Piri Bear and Alexander's are growing in our, our graveyards, which are both like new colonizers of urban areas in the northeast. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about uh, what about you, Julia? Um, well, just just one thing I wanted to mention to Mark. You may, you said something about hoverflies is going to be one of the things that you're going to be doing um, citizen science about. Is that right? Did I pick up on that right? Well, we're, we're maybe going to do it, but it depends on talking to Roger Morris about whether he wants to have mm. lots more records on iRecord. Um, I, I was just going to say, though, that if, if you do, the Hoverfly Facebook group is a really, really yeah. helpful Facebook group if you've not come across it already. I would definitely I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's one of the best Facebook groups I know. It's just, it's very helpful. No, they are fantastic and yeah, so yeah. I was gonna ask. Sorry, I just I just forgot to ask this. Actually, does does the um the soil in graveyards is that does that encourage the growing of different plants, or is it just the same as any other? It kind of occurred to me with lots of people being buried there. Does that lead to any changes in the soil or or not? I would have thought so. One thing that I've noticed is I don't really like blackberries, bramble blackberries, mm. Mm. um, but the bramble black the blackberries that grow in local graveyards are are the best tasting brambles I've ever oh, really? I've ever eaten. So I don't know. Really? I, yes, I don't know if that's just coincidence or something to yeah. do with how the soil's changed by um yeah it being a cemetery. Um, we had um, somebody go with their grandchild to a graveyard to look for ladybirds. And all they found was like loads of bones and a skull that had been inadvertently oh, dug no. up by, you know, no. you know they, they got the police involved because they weren't sure how fresh they were. So oh, that's horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is quite horrible. Yeah. That's awful. But, but I think every graveyard's different. Some are very well, well managed, you know, um, shorn of all, you know, weeds and uh, mowed very tightly and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every bush is cut back and others are completely feral and you know there's grass grown everywhere and you know no one, i mean especially some it also varies it also varies like depending on the older parts yeah, of the graveyard a lot yeah. of the time like left yeah. to nature and then the, like, the newer ones are really really yeah. well maintained <laughs> <laughs> and so um they they are incredibly varied and yeah uh, mm, uh, i mean mm. some of them you know there's tawny owls you know nesting in super urban areas and that's the only place they can nest and no i think i think think it's actually quite a ripe subject for studies on lots of different Mm -hmm. like insect groups especially in the summer yeah it is yeah uh yeah what about what about you per is there anything you want to say want to mention yeah i would say i started off looking at the ladybirds but i think as you go there and visit you 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 start to notice the other insects that are there mm. and actually there are lots of different insects group insect groups that you can find in cemeteries it's a really good way of actually getting into kind of general natural history biological recording and um and i've come across four new species for scotland doing this for the last year oh wow and and it's not because these species are rare they're actually quite common but they're not really been recorded and um, and I think they, it's possible to see them because they show up on the gravestones. Uh, so it's just a very convenient kind of 
way to to get to to see things and to monitor things. Mm. So I think it's 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 yeah, visit cemeteries, look for ladybirds, but keep an open mind because you will see a lot more. We see all sorts of other things, yeah, not just ladybirds. You see all sorts of other, yeah, like harvestmen or moths yeah. and caterpillars and yeah. Also, like, um, can I ask which species were they? Like, which were the four species that you found? So there are two two of the species were bark flies, so Socopera, and uh, both of them are non-native species. Um, and um, they're very small, obviously, just a couple of millimeters. So that's why people don't really notice them. But I find them actually in several cemeteries. So they're clearly well established mm. and been there maybe maybe for a few years. And then the, the other two are bugs. So one of them is a very small bug mm. and the other one is a leaf hopper. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I love leaf hopper. Leaf hoppers. Yeah, no, leaf hopper that's so cool. Uh, do, do you do a lot of microscopy or is this all from photograph? All from photographs, but I invest. I kind of bought myself a, a proper. It's just a. It's just a small compact camera, but it's really good for micro photography, and that's quite. I think quite essential if you mm. want to get things like bark flies. You need to have really quite quite decent images to work from. Is that the Olympus one? Olympus Tough TG6. Yeah, yeah. I got the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good camera for this particular purpose. If it's good enough for Stephen Falk, it's good <laughs> enough for us, eh? Exactly. Oh, I want to ask each of you which what was the last ladybird that you saw? Well, my last new one. Yeah, um, I, I I went down to um, Benton Cemetery, um, where there's a lot of pine, and Chris Barlow and uh, Joe Dobinson and uh, James Cohen had found these um uh, other ones there. So I got the uh, uh, what was it? Cream Straight Street. Um, striped eyed ladybird all on the same gravestone. Oh, wow. And, uh, as well as pine um, and, you know, several others. Mm. I, I think that the, between the, the two of them at the weekend, they had 12 species of ladybird on that one. Yeah. And as well as that little pine, tiny little pine thing. Um, one of the inconspicuous ones. Yeah. I didn't find That's very interesting because, like, you know, I've only... I found Queen Street a handful of times, never found it in a cemetery. Only found, I've found it like not on conifers, but like in the vicinity of conifers. Like, so I found it on like a street sign that was, that was like overlooking a bunch of conifers. And I found it in a yeah. stinging nettle underneath a pine tree. And then I found it on a fence post underneath a pine tree. But it, like, I never actually. Um, and then, and then, and then, apart from that, I found it beating um, larch and, and fir trees and stuff. And with eyed ladybirds, like the same, I never actually. The only time I've ever actually found eyed ladybirds has been has been in a pine forest. Um, yeah. And stripes. I don't even think I don't even know if we get them around here. So that's that's amazing. Oh, it's, it's incredibly diverse mm. under one tree. You know, just on one, yeah. and they're all on one gravestone. <laughs> Around. It's like unbelievable. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did. I did the twitch. You know, mm. and um, and Jasmine Cemetery is the same. Mm. You know, an, an eighteen spot as well. Oh wow! All on that one. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's especially because I mean, especially because eighteen spots generally live high up in the tree. Yeah. They 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 live. If I'm not mistaken, they live in the crown of the tree. So this one must have been a bit curious for something else. Well, there's, there's been quite a few. Uh, both of these two. 
Scots pines that are under, mm. you know, uh, in these two cemeteries. There's been 18 spots, mm. like several, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Very, yeah. What about what about you, Per? What was the last ladybird that you found or ladybirds? So I went past my local cemetery on my way home from work mm. today. So I just started to look around. So I found the, the five common species that I tend to find in most mm. cemeteries here. So that orange pine, two spot, um, cream spot, and uh, t- ten spots. Those were the ones I found. But not harlequin. Um, no, not in this cemetery. There, there are some uh, some harlequins in this particular cemetery, but they are they are not very yeah. many. Oh, okay. What about you, Juliet? Well, most of the cemeteries I've visited recently have been rural and, uh, well, relatively rural, um, still within Edinburgh Council area. And as we sort of were saying earlier, there's not very many ladybirds there. Um, so actually, I, I'm not sure what my last ladybird was. Um, oh, okay. It's been, it's been at least a few weeks. So, but okay. I, I, I did say I was going to look at the, the, I've got my notes here and the trees in Greyfriars do not include, as far as I'm aware, Scots pine. Now mm-hmm. I do recognise a Scots pine very well. So I'd be surprised if there was one there that I didn't see. But in, in Greyfriars Cemetery, there are rowan, lime, white beam, beech, willow, cherry, laburnum, silver birch, some species of apple, maple, a species of oak, yew and elder. Mm. Oh, wow. And no Scots pines, but loads and loads and loads of ladybirds. Yeah. Mark, it's interesting what you were saying about finding inconspicuous ladybirds on on a gravestone, because I, as far as I'm aware, like very little was actually known about their sort of overwintering habits. So, I mean, were they, were they, was it just a couple of them or just... Oh, well, um, Chris described um, thinking it was a bit of harlequin ladybird poo. It was under a harlequin. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I'm talking about other people's experience here, but um, Chris Chris Barlow is one of our local kind of enthusiasts and and knows a lot. And, um, yeah, you know, him and uh, this other guy were searching, you know, having found this stone with so many ladybirds, never previously, like, found this particular tree. This uh, I don't think anyone had surveyed this cemetery before. And, uh, yeah, he said, like, you know, he thought it was just a bit of poo, and then it started walking, and, you know, um, like one or two millimetres, yeah? So that's the first time they found that there in a cemetery. They were they were quite happy, I think, yeah. I didn't find it. I went back two days later, I didn't. That's yeah. very interesting, because um, in my garden, we've got a, a sage plant, and there's a lot of um, Simnus interruptus um, ladybirds on that sage plant, but... Um, and so I've seen like the larvae and everything, but I've never actually, I've never actually seen where they go in winter. I just kind of, I just assumed that they went under a leaf or, or something like that. So it's, that's really interesting to know. And I think like um, Richard Comont, I think said a while back that not much is known about the overwintering habits of the, um, of the inconspicuous ladybirds. So it's like, that's like a really good bit of um, data, I suppose, to, to know about. Well, what was interesting, this particular stone had some very narrow cracks. It wasn't one of our typical stones, actually. And you could see lots of larvae under them. Mm. So I got a little, um, you know, a couple of pine needles and, like, winkled them out. And I, I couldn't find the uh, the inconspicuous ladybird. But uh, I found quite a few, um, yeah, uh, what are they called? Um, anyway, some other larvae of, you know, other things and, and other... Uh, What's it called? The red-legged um, tree. Okay. Whatever it's called, yeah. Anyway, that one. 
um, and a few other things there. And yeah, there was obviously a lot hidden in really small mm. cracks. And presumably, you know, if you went into even smaller cracks or un- underneath the stones, you know, or in the leaf litter, you'd find it would be interesting to sieve leaf litter. I mean, have you guys done that in Edinburgh? Have you done anything other than like looking at the stones? I've not, no. I haven't looked at leaf litter, but that's one thing that I think would be interesting to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know some people do that, and you could probably find things that we don't see on the gravestones by looking yeah. through the leaf litter. Yeah. But we haven't yeah. done it. I mean, the only thing I'd say about technique is um, take photos of them all. Mm. Because I often, you know, they're often buried away and it, it just looks like a load of Harlequins. And then when you take a photo... Yeah, and then you, when yeah. You, yeah, then you blow it's, it up and there's, oh, wow, there's a 10-spot there. Yeah. Ten spot yeah. there. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. especially 10-spots because obviously they're quite small. They're hidden away. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm on your um, Facebook group, but uh, I'm on the Ladybird one as well. And... People say, oh, you know, just count with a clicker. I'm thinking, don't count with a clicker. Photograph everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then count yeah. with a clicker at home. And that's what I do. Because I, so I, so I, um, when I find like a fence post that's full of 16 spots, like sometimes I'll take a photo of it and, you know, you actually have to get quite up close to like count every single ladybird and see which ones you counted. Because, and also then you, you sooner or later discover that there's a lot of the time there's ladybirds underneath ladybirds. Yeah. And different species. And also sometimes if you adjust the the filter of on the photo, like I've done this more than once when I've been putting a photo like on Instagram, say, or like, or, um, or on Facebook, I'll like adjust the colors to make it look slightly better or like, you know, adjust the light. And then, you know, lo and behold, when it gets rid of like a certain amount of shadow, lo and, lo and behold, there's another ladybird there that, you know, like a, like a tiny tent, like a tent spot or something that's in this like shadow that, you know, you didn't even see until you changed the filter on it. <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely. I think using that little Olympus tough, um, you know, mm. if I make one recommendation to anyone taking this up, it's 300 quid. It's like, it's not yeah. that much. Yeah. Um, and, mm. uh, yeah, you, you discover so much stuff with it. And it's fantastic for bees. And I mean, I, I took some photos of some bees at the weekend and, you know, oh, they're amazing. Mm. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, having that camera, is, uh, it's so small and, and compact. You can take it with you everywhere. It's got really good macro function. And like Mark, I, I take photographs of everything and then, count on the basis of the photographs because there will be things you're missing just by counting in 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 situ so taking the photographs you can also check your identifications Mm. that way sometimes that can be very useful and you can see other things you know there might be things hiding amongst the ladybirds you don't actually see and you're looking at the photographs some sort of like little little spiders and things like that and like um and um things that are especially especially like larvae that are kind of hidden that sort of like hidden away in quite um like in quite a dark area of the of the cemetery. The other thing I've seen on some graves, you know, I said I didn't see any ladybirds in the in the local cemetery, but what I did see is a lot of like spider egg sacks. I've seen a lot of those as well. Yeah, yeah. I may have seen them, but not known what they were. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a real beginner in all this, you know. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I did find the best thing I found was a, 
um, hawk moth pupa. Oh, wow. Hidden away, yeah. And I, I, mm. I picked it out and photographed it and then put it back where it came from. I wish I'd have bought it home. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't know what it was. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on our local moth group. And uh, so I was a hawk moth. I wish I'd been bought it home and seen what it grew into. You know, that would have been very interesting to mm. Yeah. Yeah. I found an eyed ladybird pupa, not on a in a um, conifer woodland, like not in a cemetery. And I was like, I was so excited. I was just like, I didn't want to take it home in case it got damaged. I was just like, I was going to the same place every day and seeing if it had hatched yet. And then eventually it hatched. And then the, and then I was like, oh, I must have missed the ladybird. And then the ladybird was like nearby. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. What about you, uh, Julia? Is there anything you want to mention or? Um, I don't think there's anything else. No, not for me. Okay. Okay. What about um, what about you, Per? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything more to mention either. Okay. Uh, what about you, Mark? Well, I think it'd be good to kind of collaborate at an academic level. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, Gordon Port wasn't a you know he's an academic entomologist. He's just retired. Yeah. As I say, I'm not an academic entomologist, but I I've got an academic mm. background. So you know, I think that looking at some common projects because you know the larger the better for science of course yeah um so we're, we're obviously going to try and publish on our 100 uh grave sites fantastic yeah uh, but um i think that going forward i think we should try and collaborate and look at the power numbers to find out a bit a little bit more because there could be differences between edinburgh and newcastle you know with, mm. uh, you know exploring that would be really yeah interesting. yeah no, absolutely we I'll just uh, get in touch with you after this and yeah, no, we'll just keep keep chatting yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think like, I mean, I'm not very, um, I mean, I, I'm not very, um, I don't really have much of a scientific background at all, but like, I do really, like, I do really love nature and wildlife and everything. And so it's always really nice to sort of get involved in projects like this. And I hope I kind of would be interested in like maybe because I don't think there's anything specifically around like the South. I don't think there's anything specifically like where I am that's focused on monitoring either ladybirds or like a particular species. I know that there's like maybe I know that like the bumblebee trust the bumblebee trust has done something, but I don't know if there's any other things. And we've got like a local conservation group, um, but I but apart from that, I don't really think there's. Well, you're about Much to else. go, Rachel. Yeah, so yeah, we're so about to go. This opportunity because it's been fantastic. No. Yeah, thank you really so, well, thank you so much to all of you for coming on. Yes, thank and you. It's been thank brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thanks. Brilliant. All right. Bye. 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 Science needs its communicators as well as its scientists. <laughs>